Welcome to the Center for Advancement of Virtual Organizations podcast, Trust and the Great Resignation. I'm Kathy Ritchie, Associate Professor of National University School of Business and Economics. And today I'm joined by Geraldine Wallach-Adamine, who is the founder and CEO of Good for Work. We have uh, a lot to talk about related to the great resignation in our post-pandemic workplace world. But I also want to share that uh, Geraldine has a blog published on the Kavo website for all of you to access and take a look at as well. And I enjoyed reading it myself so that we could lead into a lot more discussion uh, Geraldine, it's very nice for you to be here, and I'm glad that you've come to chat with us today um, to talk, talk about uh, some of the best practices and leading indicators for the great resignation. Could you start and, and let us know what you think some of those examples of common feelings are of not being valued for uh, contributions, for example? Yes, absolutely. I'm so happy to be here with you, Katie. Thank you. Thank you so much. So to, to answer your question, uh, you know, to have a little bit of context here. So for the last statistic, 40% of U.S. workers are considering quitting their jobs. On average, it means that 4 million Americans are quitting their jobs each month in 2022, which is very high, and we hit record numbers in the last months. So it's the official reason most commonly mentioned uh, in 2021 was working too many long hours. So it was, you know, uh, the years before. But now there's a consensus in consensus in 2022 about the number one reason for quitting, which is not having flexible schedules. So we know that uh, heavy workload and exhaustion are the best official reasons uh, to quit a job, right? And they are socially accepted after the pandemic uh, as well. And we all know, I bet, that uh, that friend who needs to come back to the office every day and would dream of remote or hybrid job. But as we had more and more research in 2022 from corporations, uh, so, for example, Microsoft sponsored a survey of over 30,000 employees across 31 markets in January 2021 for its work trend index. And other companies did the same. And many researchers as well. Uh, it can be from Stanford, MIT, everyone has contributed. And the interesting finding is that we started identifying the roots of exhaustion. And the interesting finding even more is that companies in the same industry would have very different rates of attrition. Some companies uh, with a reputation of a healthy culture would have a lower turnover. And among them, uh, South Southwest Airlines, Johnson & Johnson, or Trader Joe's. So that's the point, you know, we start figuring out that a healthy culture makes a difference. And in the midst of the great resignation, uh, they basically emphasized that the top predictor of attrition was a toxic, a toxic corporate culture. 
So of course there are other factors. We we know that, and we uh, especially you know in the uh, the economic uh, context, we know that other factors for attrition can can be job insecurity and reorganization, especially at the moment. But it also can be a high level of innovation uh, because stress is high uh, when you have. Uh, the pressure of new project delivery, especially, for example, in the IT industry. Another factor can be as well a failure to recognize performance or a poor response to COVID-19. But overall, people leave their companies because they do not experience a supportive atmosphere and culture. So they don't feel valued enough by their managers or organizations for their work sacrifice. Or they don't feel that sense of belonging at work, which is so, so important. So I would say to answer your question um, that in a nutshell, um, people want to feel respected for who they are and for their professional sacrifice. And they want a better work-life balance. And uh, it's very much a question of motivating culture versus versus a poor work environment. So thank you. Um, you mentioned a lot of obvious factors such as heavy workload and exhaustion. How do you suggest for those employees that maybe choose to stay? And, and for leaders to work on retention of those employees, how would you suggest that employees should deal with burnout to adapt and thrive? Yes. So on the employee side, for sure, we are all in different situations uh, with different experiences and privilege. Uh, we are not all equipped uh, equally to navigate the new hybrid world. So, uh, for instance, we know that minorities prefer working from home to avoid office politics or tensions. Or we have uh, categories of people who simply want to take care of their loved ones. Millennials uh, for, for that category don't want to feel isolated. Disabled people prefer working from home, young parents, but also majority of women. But... Uh, there's a long list there, uh, but it, and, and it means that uh, we enjoy the benefits of freedom and flexibility. But I would say to enjoy that benefits of uh, location, meaning working from home and time, it means also as well that we have uh, individual responsibility to make it work. And this is how I want to uh, reframe your question uh, about uh, taking care of ourselves uh, when uh, working uh, in a hybrid environment. So I would, when I'm talking about uh, individual uh, accountability, so I'm talking about there's kind of a professional maturity, maturity to have when working from home. And it's about self-awareness and we can call it, you know, with different names. So we can we can talk about self-awareness. We can talk about self-leadership. We can talk about boundaries. But at the end of the day, it's uh, it's 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 all about the same. It's about protecting our mental health 
and protecting the mental health of others as well. I want to tell you a story. So I, I was at... Uh, the Atlassian event. So Atlassian is a big software company. They created uh, some uh, uh, some tools for uh, teams like Jira or uh, Trello, uh, the most famous one. And they invited at their, at their event uh, the, the champion, the basketball champion, Magic Johnson. He was invited to talk about high-performing teams. And at some point, he was... Uh, invited to share his wisdom regarding mental health as well. And what he emphasized was was amazing and related to that uh, protecting our energy and protecting the energy of others as well. So basically what he said is that uh, it was okay to choose to not to interact when you are stressed out to avoid stress contagion or for to to others, so it's it's okay, you know, and it's called boundaries, and it's 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 called protecting ourselves and protecting others. He also gave another tip that I really loved. Um, he said that it was important to create our own support system when our personal energy is low. So, and he said that for him, what worked is to share with his team that his, his, energy, his, um, his energy today, for example, uh, is low, and that he needed uh, the energy of his team by with a simple ask, asking them, you know, to some help because his energy was low that, that particular day. So I think it's a great story to, to understand that uh, it's a, it's a two-way street, right? So um, if we want to, we can't take care of ourselves without, without taking care of others. And basically, it's the ability to create trust. It's a two-way street. And it's uh, creating trust between uh, among coworkers, but it's also creating trust uh, with, uh, with, uh, with your manager, for example. And it's very important, you know, um, Talking about uh, the relationship with uh, with a manager, it's very important to, as an employee, to be proactive as well and to over communicate on progress, because it limits the stress of managers and it prevents them to fall into the trap of uh, micromanaging us. Right. Um, so I did a lot before being an entrepreneur. I did a lot of managing up through my career <laughs> in the corporate world. And I stopped considering that uh, it was unfair to have a not so good manager <laughs> when I found some purpose in growing together and helping them as well to be a good manager. So, you know, I will talk more about trust uh, after, but I think individual accountability is very important and being aware and self-aware of uh, our impact is very important. I agree. I think self-awareness and um, transparency in particular are important values for people to be focused on. And um, could you share a little bit more about your thoughts there on what that core value of transparency may be defined as? So basically, my it's very 
it's as simple as that. You can't have trust without having transparency. So um, what happens uh, in the hybrid world or remote world is that the default communication is no talk. You don't know, uh, you don't know what happens uh, with the other person uh, in their home. You, you never know what, what, what could happen. And our cognitive biases always make us imagine the worst case scenario. So it's very critical most of the time to establish the truth because it's how you engage people. Uh, of course, you, need, you always need to work on communication and uh, your skills for crisis communication, for example, of course, but it all starts with uh, transparency. And when we think that in a hybrid environment, it can be very costly to organize a social gathering or simply complicated, it's, it should start with greater digital transparency as a core value uh, through, uh, through the organization. Why? Because without having a sense of what other teams are doing, we can lose motivation by not understanding the big picture or the impact of teamwork. We talk a lot, of, a lot about purpose at work today, and it's very important to, to know uh, what can be the impact uh, of, uh, of your, your other coworkers. So related to that, um, you just mentioned teams, and we're talking about working remote. Um, and so uh, are we really looking at kind of a, a relationship deterioration within teams in that remote um, environment? Or are there other factors such as work-life balance involved? It's a great question. So I would start with, uh, I, I recently learned that only 17% of teams were healthy, which is totally crazy and, and scary. So it means that any team building initiative should be is very 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 important. But regarding uh, relationships uh, deterioration, uh, the other thing that I learned recently is that it takes two hundred hours to build a relationship. You imagine how much effort it takes in the hybrid world to communicate enough to build a relationships. But uh, the deterioration of uh, relationship deterioration, I would say that there are multiple factors here. So today around 50% of the workforce is hybrid and more than 70% of companies are using or plan to implement a hybrid model. And again, based on the personal situations of employee, there is a huge diversity of situations that makes it complicated to work on, on belonging at the organizational level. But there are so many challenges to overcome. Uh, the organization is more siloed and uh, we can only offer a limited number of in-person interactions at the office, especially if the meetings are uncoordinated and if people choose to come to the office when they want. 
bumping to, into a colleague is just a matter of luck. So um, this is why we, we, we are facing different phenomena at the moment that can explain that uh, relationship deteriorations. Um, so the first one uh, is, for example, social capital. We talk a lot about the degradation of social capital at the moment, which is pre pretty much so. Quick reminder, social capital is basically all the relationships that you have within the company and it's the ability to leverage your own knowledge and skills to achieve the company purpose uh, by building relationships. And we need social, so it's all about the power of relationships. So, and we need social capital, for example, to get uh, promoted or for innovation. And this social capital, uh, we have uh, three ways to understand it better. We have social capital, uh, which is about belonging, which is at the team level, how we build relationship at the team level. But we have also bridging, which is about relationships between teams. And we, are, we have also that approach, which is linking, which is having relationships at different level, hierarchy level of the organization. Anyway, it means that <laughs> uh, social capital uh, is in a very bad shape today, and uh, it's very important to create uh, more opportunities and to be more intentional, to create networking opportunities or events to allow um, people and teams uh, to, 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 to be able to have uh, that, uh, that communication and to protect that social capital. And there's another phenomenon, and. Um, about that could explain as well uh, the relationship deterioration. So uh, this, uh, this, this one is quite new. You know, we have like, we keep having new trends <laughs> uh, at the moment. Uh, and uh, we, we, we have heard about quiet quitting, quiet firing. We have a bunch of trends uh, that basically are not new, but it's only new words uh, to talk about disengagement, for example. But uh, what I want to, to tell you about that new trend is the one which is called productivity paranoia. So productivity paranoia, that can explain why um, we have this uh, relationship deterioration. So basically, there's a disconnect between the employee's perceptions of being extremely productive. So, and there are because all the, uh, all the statistics show that employees are very productive at the moment, but there's a disconnect with the perception of uh, leaders who still uh, don't trust their team to be fully productive, even if all the productivity indicators are green. So I don't say that from, for, from any leaders, you know, from all the leaders, of course. But that's, that's, this phenomenon is at the moment because I guess we are also during this period where people are being asked to come back to the office in, uh, in, in some companies. So 
there's still that disconnect between uh, leaders and uh, employees about uh, about productivity. And I think there's a huge stake there, so and a huge stake for leaders, because of course, and my my and my my take on this is that of course it's much harder uh, to be a leader in the hybrid world uh, than being a leader at the office, because you don't have any social clues, cues, and you you don't know. Um, you don't know about your team morale. You can check at the water cooler. So it force, it's forcing you to, to be very good at communicating with your people. And it's a skill set. It's a new skill set. And it's, 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 it's a learning process. And this is where um, that other phenomenon, which is, I think, supporting leaders, uh, to learn that new skill set is also very, very, uh, very important. So, yeah, that's relationships deterioration for sure. We, we, we know social capital degradation. We know that there's still this productivity paranoia. We know that we need to upskill leaders. So there's a lot to do. There's a lot to do there. Thank you. Um, I appreciate all your insights there. And I would also be interested in uh, you asking you to share your insights for a cultural shift with a people-centric priority. Yes. Yeah, so basically, the pandemic has accelerated the future of work by five or 10 years. So the environment is not the same. <laughs> the society and the, work pl- the workplace have changed, right? But hybrid is here to stay, and uh, the leadership uh, has to change as well to build that culture of trust that works uh, with the hybrid environment. And it comes with what we call a people-first culture, that people-first cultures uh, values more humanity and connections at work. And it comes with a simple idea that people need to be happy at work to sustain high performance. So why? (laughs) Because trust uh, is good for performance and it's proven. A culture of trust is uh, the best way to to create high-performing teams. So research shows that high-trust organizations can increase employee engagement by up to 76%. Research shows as well that trust can really help to erase burnout because people at high trust organizations report 40% less burnout, which is, which is huge. So, of course, high-performing organizations promote a culture, a culture of, trust, of trust. And it means for people uh, being in a supportive work environment where they feel safe, and valued. And uh, in this environment, it means that inclusion is key as well for for more because we have a more and more diverse uh, workforce. And it also means um, that um, uh, we need to create more, more purpose at work to do more meaningful work. And it comes with uh, a recent finding from, uh, from Microsoft Actually, people can be productive, but, you know, that's the point. People can be productive, but not thriving. 
So they can be engaged, but not happy. And uh, this is not the best way to sustain uh, performance and high, high performance. So, uh, so it's all about how to make people energized, empowered to do uh, meaningful work. And uh, I would just um, end by um, telling you what are the behaviors identified uh, by research to, uh, to build trust. And there's a very, it's a very shortened uh, list, uh, but um, these demonstrated behaviors can really help uh, leaders to build trust. And it's all about um, giving recognition, sharing achievable challenges, fostering autonomy, encouraging job crafting or stretching, or fostering a positive or ongoing communication and, uh, and having that uh, openness and that growth mindset. So basically, that we know how to build trust. It's, it's well known now. And um, I'm very excited to see that uh, more and more companies understood that trust uh, is really good for, for high-performing teams. Thank you, Geraldine. I, I think that is an excellent summary of some of the attributes of what we are looking for to better understand uh, trust in the workplace and to recognize um, maybe how to accept this great resignation and where it's going. Um, I read an article this morning that is entitled, Americans are still quitting fast enough to keep the Fed on an aggressive path. And it, it basically said that the Bureau of Labor Statistics is estimating that what they call the quit rate um, for the private sector alone is still around 3%, which is um, considered high. And most of the, it says here in the article that most of those workers are switching jobs um, to be rewarded by higher salaries, which is generally an increase of around 7.1% per person. Mm -hmm. um, so I thought that was some interesting statistics to, to go along with uh, a lot of the interesting insights that you shared with us today. So uh, Geraldine, it's been a pleasure to chat with you and thank you for joining us and supporting the Center for Advancement of Virtual Organizations. Again, we have your blog published on the Kava website, and we really appreciate your insights and know our listeners will benefit from your experience as well. Thank you. Thank you so much, Katie.